And I'm Alexander Wales. And joining us today is a special guest, Justin Kuiper. Hey, uh, I'm Justin Kuiper. Usually just go by Kuiper on the internet. Uh, you may have seen me posting around the Rational Fiction subreddit. I have recently started writing a story called Redragonize, which is an isekai lit RPG story about, well, somebody being reincarnated, as you might guess from the name. And I guess I'm probably better known uh, in the visual novel community, I am the writer for both uh, Necrobarista and Idol Manager, which are two upcoming games. And if you're aware of the name Winter Wolves, I also wrote the game Cursed Lands for Winter Wolves, which came out earlier this year. Cool. And we have him on today to talk about writing as a skill. What does that mean for you, like when you want to talk about writing as a skill? So, I mean, I to give a little bit more background on myself, I've basically been a full-time writer since uh, around the, the end of 2016. So this is basically my career at this point. But I didn't really start getting on this career track until I was like halfway through my college career. Uh, I was an engineering student who one day sort of stumbled upon a Brandon Sanderson lecture talking about description and viewpoint at JordanCon uh, 2010. And it was there that he said, you know, he, the, so basically the substance of his lecture was saying, learning to write is like learning any other skill, which seems like a fairly obvious thing. But I feel like more than any other skill, people like to treat writing like it's this sort of mystical thing. I think that one cliche that you hear a lot is like, oh, everybody has a novel in them, which seems mm -hmm. to imply that a novel is just a collection of ideas. And if you have a collection of ideas, then it could be a novel. When really, like the barrier to you having a novel and not having a novel, it's more than just like, oh, if I only had, you know, enough time to just vomit whatever is in my brain onto the page, then I would have this novel that I could, you know, send off to a publisher and, you know, hopefully get a book deal for. Like, clearly, you wouldn't have that expectation for another skill, right? You wouldn't pick up a guitar and then, you know, say, oh, I'm just going to strum on this guitar for two hours. And after that, I'll have a, you know, a demo tape that I can send off to record companies, right? Like with any other mm -hmm. skill, there's sort of this expectation that like, oh, there's going to be like a period of learning. You're going to spend a lot of time learning how to do this thing. And then after a while, you'll get it to a point where you will improve and have something that is perhaps a marketable skill. But again, like I said, you know, when people say like, oh, everybody has a novel in them or, you know, oh, I'd like to write a novel someday. Uh, it, it sort of seems to be something that people categorically think of as different than other skills. Yeah, I, I think part of that, it comes down to people having a fantasy of producing things without effort. I know I'm that way with a lot of things. I'm just like, you know, it'd be so cool to like go hike the Adirondack, you know? And then it's like, yeah, that would also take a lot of work and I'd have to learn how to like hike without destroying my body and things like that. Uh, I did ballroom dancing for, for a while. And th there's always that dream of like being able to just like move really smoothly, but it just, it takes a lot of like hard technical work to get to that point. And that hard technical work is not part of the fantasy, generally speaking, for, for anything. Yeah, we've got a, a romanticized idea of, for example, uh, fighting training montages thanks to movies. And sometimes, you know, other skills get montages too. But there's never really, as far as I can tell, a writing upgrade montage well, first of all, writing is very rarely a skill that main characters in, in movies have to cultivate, but there's definitely also the sense of, like, writing is a creative work like many others, but not a creative work like any others. So it's like, if you have a passion for guitar and you want to learn to play the guitar, there's no... Maybe there is. Maybe I'm just not enough part of, like, those subcultures to know. But, like, as far as I'm aware, there's very little representation of this idea of a guitarist who who says that they're a guitarist who does not actually play the guitar whereas like uh there's, there's common reference to 
the stereotype of the person who claims to be a writer who does not write, who just spends a lot of time thinking about their stories or maybe outlining their stories, but never actually putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard or whatever it is. And yeah. like actually getting the story out. Like there, there's a way in which you can, you can satisfy the, the desire to be a writer because there's the story cre- creation or imagination aspect of it, which is completely divorced from the actual physical act of it. Yeah. I, I think it's an intellectual skill and intellectual labor and it's invisible for that reason. Like even making music for the most part is, is a, physical skill mm-hmm. in combination with the intellectual skill and so it's easier to have like a a visual physical depiction of people progressing on that and for most hobbies too i guess like even even more creative visual mediums like painting mm-hmm. for example it's easier to see progress in terms of painting than it is in terms of like i mean first of all someone is doing the act of painting someone you know Typing at a computer is is not a very interesting thing, right. I guess. You make a good point about drawing or painting or any other sort of visual art being this thing where you can, within like probably less than a second, you, you know, maybe it takes a few seconds for you to formulate thoughts upon looking upon a painting, but you can like very easily look at a painting and say like, oh, this is something that represents a, a certain amount of skill and learning. And you can like look through somebody's portfolio and probably guess like, oh, this is something that they did like when they were six months into art school versus mm-hmm. like, this is something that they did after like having five years of experience in this field. Whereas I feel like, when it comes to text, it can be a little bit more difficult to define that, right? Because if you just take a glance, it's like, oh, here's a sheet of words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, writing is a very time and like compared to the other mediums, not just reading is like, like reading, reading is much more time intensive than looking at a picture. Obviously uh, it's even more time intensive than, than for the most part, watching a watching a movie. Like I'm trying to think of just like the longest art forms to consume. Reading seem, feels like it comes out ahead on almost everything besides maybe video games. Like there's some video games that'll take like, you know, 200 hours, 250 hours to go through the story if you're going through like every single part of it, depending. But like, yeah, like it's 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 hard to absorb uh, someone's someone's written work in a small time frame, uh, which means that it's it's hard to look through like you kind of said like a portfolio of their work and just like notice the differences. Um, easier because like not just because it's harder to see through through like differences in the way narrative is structured and text and all that kind of stuff but also just because you can't as easily flip through it um, but also it's time intensive in creation to the point where like people regularly will write a story or a novel and then become attached to it in the sense of like this was a novel that i wrote and so i need to now edit this novel and try to get it published and that kind of thing Instead of seeing it as like, this was your first attempt at creating a finished product, it is not going to be the first thing, probably, for most people, it is not going to be the first thing that you actually publish or you actually like, you know, put out there into the world. Like most people will not be, like most people will not draw their first drawing or paint their first painting and expect it to be a masterpiece. But for, for, for writers, there very much is this sense of like, you know, it's hard for the new writers to get their get over the fact that like the first things that they write are very largely going to just be practice. They're not going to be the, the magnum opus. Yeah. I think part of that is the standard format for prose fiction is the novel, which is like starts at like 80,000 words, mm-hmm. right? If, so, if someone says they're, they're a writer, you probably won't think that they're a short story writer, mm-hmm. right? The default is the novel. And if a novel is 80,000 words and you write at 500 words an hour, which is, you know, fairly fast. Like that's if you're a competent, marginally fast writer. That's still like 160 hours of work. And if you're talking about like journeyman artists, that's a lot of time to put into like something that's just going to be thrown away. Yeah. Or not thrown away, but like is not intended for public consumption or is just a practice skill. Uh, 160 hours is, yeah, that's four. That's like a, a solid month of of work. That's actually quite fast for for a novel. But I guess that's if you're doing it full-time. 
Yeah, and I know I just was the one who tossed out the idea that, like, oh, it's much more difficult to assess a page of writing than it is to assess a painting um, and try to figure out where the writer is at in terms of skill. Uh, so I'm actually now going to sort of push back on that idea and say that I think that even if it isn't something that we can do within seconds, like we could with a painting or maybe a song, I think that like most of the people who have a lot of experience reading can look at like one or two pages of an author's writing and figure out sort of where the author is at in terms of skill level. Um, yeah. I think that like, so this is, I guess, to get into something a little bit different, but there have been times when somebody's linked me to a story and within the first few sentences, I realized, oh, I'm reading a translation of a Japanese light novel that was done by a fan group because there is this certain sort of cadence and like there's a certain affect that comes with it. And I don't want to give specific examples because this is sort of a negative thing, but I feel like I can name um, like Eliezer Yudkowsky wrote this story called, I think it's uh, a girl corrupted by the internet is the mm -hmm. summoned hero. And he does a very good job of imitating this light novel translation affect. And it, it's the thing that I, I personally regard that as like, not a, a mode of writing that you would like to emulate, although in Yudkowsky's case, he was sort of doing it intentionally for effect there. But it is like something that we're able to recognize. And maybe it's not something you can recognize within like two or three seconds, but probably within two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there... So this is one of the things I want to talk about is that I think writing is... And most skills generally are not one skill, but it, like a cluster of skills. And I think there are a lot of writing skills where you can instantly see on the first page, this person does not know how to write yeah. at, at a level where I would expect a published author to be, right? In terms of like basic copy editing stuff, um, repeated words. Like if, if you don't have spelling and grammar down and you're not breaking spelling and grammar intentionally, which is usually pretty obvious, that's, I mean, that's also a sign of a lack of polish as, as far as like, editing that and thought that went into it but it's it's also a matter of of writing skill you can get like bland descriptions and stuff so you can see in the first page you can establish a baseline mm. i think from that. but there are like the deeper writing skills like characterization and like plotting and pacing and you can't really gauge pacing that well from a page or two publishers get sent unsolicited manuscripts a whole lot they all go into this thing called the slush pile and usually it's an intern's job to read through the slush pile and sort of read the first, you know, five or ten pages, decide whether it, it's worth anything and just take out the, the stuff that might actually be worth someone senior looking at. Mm -hmm. So that's like that is a cultivated editing skill of evaluating writing skills from, you know, random or, or semi random strangers who have sent in snippets of the writing, I guess. Which is an interesting, like, that's an interesting counter skill to writing is the ability to distinguish good writing from bad writing. And I think I would argue that being able to distinguish good writing from bad writing is probably one of the first skills you would want to develop as a writer. Because without that, I'd, it, it seems like it'd be very hard for you to progress further down the path of becoming a good writer if you can't distinguish good from bad. Yeah, I also think that, to, just to respond to a little what you said about copy editing, uh, like, personally, when I see something like a repeated word, that feels like less of an indictment of their skill of the writer and more just like, oh, they didn't have a copy editor, right? Like, if you take a page of, like, a Patrick Rothfuss novel and then, you know, repeat thes or something so that a sentence says the, the, it's not like this well-written prose is instantly going to become unreadable just because there was, like, this typo in there. But if you have somebody whose first sentence is, like, a really obtuse or poorly constructed metaphor or something like that that i feel is a much more damning testament to their skill or lack of skill uh, as a writer as opposed to something that might just be like oh they you know their finger slipped right yeah there's yeah. i mean there's definitely there's definitely an objective sense i think in which you can scale quote unquote good writing from bad writing on the sense of like Alexander was saying, like this just the idea of like you know whether or not this is 
just just whether or not like it, it passes the basic idea of like this person knows how to how to use grammar correctly and and do sentence structure correctly and stuff like that. But then there's also the artistic side of things, uh, as you're mentioning, Kuiper, that like you you can it's almost something ineffable in and of itself that like you can read a passage and it'll immediately flow or not flow well and like you just kind of like we get sucked in or not get sucked into the imagery being used and it comes a lot of it from i think people like not finding their voice or not knowing how to frame a scene properly or write dialogue well or whatever whatever thing it is that you're reading like what they haven't yet like gotten that down and yeah it's it's usually fairly easy to tell someone who has it and doesn't have it just from a quick glance but it's not something that I would say most people probably have self-awareness of. I don't know. I feel like it's it's a hard it's a harder thing to notice in your own writing until you've done it so much that you can you can kind of predict the outside view of your own writing on its own just by looking it over yourself. Cuz most people think their writing is bad. A lot of people think their writing is good and and are just unaware of how bad it is. Like it's it, I think it takes a lot of practice and a lot of feedback before you get to the point where you can like look at your own writing and say this is stilted this is poorly written this is not flowing and all that kind of thing yeah i think that also the idea of going through the slush pile like alexander mentioned this uh, i think that there's some people who push back against that idea like oh how can they reject my novel after reading mm-hmm. just like five pages of it like because <laughs> i have these great character arcs and yeah, i have this yeah, yeah. amazing plot and they didn't even get to the cool plot twist they you know so how can they reject it uh out of hand but the thing is that the goal of the person who's reading through the slush pile is to find which stories will take the least amount of work to turn into a publishable story. Yep. So here's the thing. If you have a plot that like just falls apart in the third act, that's actually something that an editor can help you with. Whereas if you don't know how to write effective dialogue or like all of your dialogue is stilted or like mm-hmm. all of your description is really poor, like you can't construct effective prose, that's not the kind of thing that an editor can just help you with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that like a lot of the learning how to be a better writer is about developing those sort of, I guess, micro skills that do show up on any individual page. Cause I know that yeah. like you talk about this on the podcast as well, like writing effective plot twists, world building, things of that nature. And all of those things are important, but also those tend to be very, um, idea-y things mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to express it and less skilly things so like i think that you have a lot of people who do like oh i have this really cool world and i have this amazing plot and i've spent like five years like constructing all of these character maps and i haven't written a single page of prose in those five years and yeah. I, I i've you know i met some of these people uh you know th- throughout my uh you know well existence as a human yeah I yeah, think, I think I think we all have. It's it's also like there are times when I feel like that person, um, especially like there was there were periods of time where I didn't have the time or will or whatever it was to write, and I still felt like I wanted to, obviously, and like I was like like des- like one and like part of me was desiring the the freedom to write, but also just like very clearly felt bad for not producing anything. Like, as a writer, like, I knew that I was not actually putting pen to paper, and therefore, like, whatever I imagined was, like, kind of meaningless. I think for a lot of people who are getting into writing or starting out writing and stuff like that, the jump from writing the thing to realizing that they then need to improve the thing, whether it's a short story or a novel or a screenplay or, like, a comic or whatever it is that they're writing... Like you said, like there, there are there are definitely like much more skill based technical nitty gritty aspects to it, besides like the more broader overarching uh, like intellectual forms of of skills. Yeah, I will say one of the reasons that we, that we don't talk about those most often is because they're much more difficult to generalize. I think like flow is very it's very difficult to even give a description of what flow is, I guess. And then I, for me, a lot of it is just, is just something that I do naturally. Like I'm, that I'm not thinking very much about when I, when I write. 
And so it's so, sort of hard to disassemble what are now mostly subconscious processes into like actual instruction on how to consciously follow those subconscious processes, I guess. Yeah. And I, I feel like also, I remember reading an, um, just a couple books on writing, one of them actually called on writing by Stephen King. Um, and like a lot of, a lot of the advice, like, does doesn't really come down to the, the writing me, like mechanical aspects of writing so much as the like broader ideas of like what you do with your story and also what it means to be a writer and how to get yourself to actually write and like attitudes that you should have and like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I feel like it's like like you were saying like I I don't know that I can actually articulate the 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 thing that I do on a mechanical moment to moment level while writing. Uh, like I can recognize it when I see it in other people's work, but I can't like articulate it. I'm curious, Kuiper, if you feel like you can, or this is something that you've done before the way you like, we'll talk about not the broader things, but like the more specific skills of writing in a, in a way that like teaches what you do when you do it. Yeah. Well, earlier on, I mentioned how, you know, Brandon Sanderson's lectures on writing were sort of formative for me. It's sort mm-hmm. of what got me into this mindset that like, oh, I could actually, because I was an engineering student, I, you know, went into a technology position after finishing school. So I've always been on that side of things, but realizing, oh, you could apply the same engineering mindset to, you know, constructing a story as opposed to, you know, constructing uh, a combustion engine or whatever. But I think that a a lot of this comes down to writers sort of retroactively trying to figure out what they did. So I think that I mentioned Brandon Sanderson, and he illustrates this as the dichotomy of the artist versus the scholar. Mm-hmm. And he says what artist Brandon does is artist Brandon writes books basically by instinct. He can't really articulate what it is that he's doing. He just sort of has learned by experience what makes a good story. And then he turns out this novel and then uh, he hands the baton over to Scholar Brandon. And Scholar Brandon is, one, going to be doing a lot of the editing, um, but also Scholar Brandon is trying to figure out what the heck did Artist Brandon do so that, one, I can try and reproduce this because if it worked for one novel, it can work for a second, um, and also sort of try to diagnose issues that maybe can be uh, avoided in future writings, but also he's uh, teaches a writing class at BYU. And so he's also in the position of trying to uh, articulate what he does to his students. But I think what's critical here is that that sort of writing analysis is descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So I think he also, one of the things he talks about is like the analogy of somebody swinging a bat, right? And on some level you can say like, okay, if you want to make contact with the ball and get the best angle, here's how you should swing the bat. You should swing it at this angle and try to impact the, you know, the ball so that it's going at a 45 degree angle. But on a certain level, like when you're in the batter box and swinging the bat, you're not doing any of that analysis. What you were just doing is going through this rote motion that you have learned through, you know, many repetitions of practice. Right. So what then do we think would be like, what do we think would be useful to in the realm of the writing as a skill? I guess maybe it's better to say what what actually has helped you, do you think? that you would say like has leveled up your writing skills in, in some respect. If any of our listeners are curious to know, like, okay, well, I would like to improve my writing skill other than just writing and hoping that like, I'm just like grinding the experience or whatever and, and like leveling up at some point, like what actually can be done to level up the specific skills of writing? Like what has noticeably improved your writing or like, if I was thinking about what is like, what I, what things that I've done that have noticeably improved my writing, like the the skill level, right? Not the broader, not the broader, like imaginative kind of, yeah, like imaginative, like artistic style, style. Sure, sure. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would actually almost take a step back from that, and mm-hmm. because you say like, oh, well, of course, everybody knows that you need to practice, and we're all already practicing. So what can we do beyond that? But I think that a lot of yep. people like 
possibly some of the people who are in your podcast audience are people who spend more time thinking about writing than actually writing. And so I think that it actually is like getting to the point where you are actually practicing isn't like super trivial. And especially when you are talking about those people who like spend, you know, five years outlining their grand narrative. um, I think it, it leads to a certain kind of paralysis. And I think that like one of the biggest things that gets you into the mode of like actually putting your reps in is stop being so precious about your ideas. Because I think one of the things that, one of the traps that these people fall into is like, oh man, I have such an amazing idea for a fantasy novel. Uh, It's gonna be like the greatest thing ever. This is gonna be like my, you know, a song of fire and ice for my generation. But the problem is that I have no experience. I'm a bad writer. So why would I let the bad writer that is me, you know, mangle this amazing idea? So Mm -hmm. instead I'm going to save up my amazing idea and well, I guess then what do I do now? Do I just write crappy stories while I'm trying to level up? And I think that like the, the number one thing I learned, especially when working on like my first major commercial product is like, don't leave anything in the tank, right? Because one of the things I quickly learned is that in the process of writing, you discover so many more ideas. Well, I guess to take a little step back, first of all, your precious, amazing idea that you've spent like years cultivating. And by the way, I'm not trying to like, you know, dunk on these people because I I think Mm -hmm. there's, I'm I'm mostly talking about myself here, right? I was one of those people who like spent, you know, four years of high school coming up with ideas for stories and then writing none of them. But I think that what, I eventually realized is most of these quote unquote amazing ideas that I have, like don't survive contact with the page. Like I just try writing them and realize, oh, this idea that I was really precious about was actually like kind of mediocre and not that amazing. Also, you just get to the point where you read more as you grow older and you're like, oh, that's the idea that I had for my story right there. And they did it like way better than I thought I was going to or something. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't think that you can trust idea evaluation that you do as a bad writer. Right? Because right. when you're a bad writer, some some ideas seem like they're just amazing ideas. And then you get a little bit more skill and you understand writing a little bit better and you're like, mm, that how is that gonna work like from a narrative mm-hmm. perspective? Like it's an interesting idea, but it's the kind of thing that you would put in um I see this all the time on, on writing prompts. There are a lot of writing prompts that are just like it's a very interesting prompt for thought, but it's not a very interesting prompt for a story, mm-hmm. which are like very distinct things. Yeah, so I think a, a, that's a, a really good point that you as a novice writer aren't even necessarily going to be good at assessing which ideas are good and which are bad. But I think like one of the biggest things that helped me stop being so precious about my ideas is realizing just how readily new ideas will come up as you're working on a project. So actually the the, the big thing for me was um, the first commercial project that I worked on. Uh, I mentioned it earlier at the top of the episode. It's Cursed Lands. It's a visual novel RPG hybrid written by Winter Wolves. And I work under, you know, a pretty standard work made for hire agreement, which means that I write this story and then after I'm paid for it, it belongs to the, the company that I wrote it for, which means in a way it's like wait a minute do i want to take all of these amazing ideas that i've spent you know my entire lifetime accumulating and then just give them to the first company that comes to asks for them like would i want to save some of my best ideas for something that i'm gonna like you know own myself and the thing that i very quickly realized is that in the process of writing this story uh, for this other company, I came up with many more ideas along the way. And yeah. the more, like it's, it's this whole thing where I was actually one of those people. And I still am one of those people who has a Google doc where it's just like a random dumping ground for cool ideas for fantasy stories. And I have a different one for science fiction stories and so on. And, and as I worked longer on this project, the list of ideas got longer because it's one of those things where, you know, each idea sort of connects to other ideas and you know so one idea will turn into three and then you end up using two of them and then you're left with one left over which buds into its own separate things and I think that it's one of those things that I sort of had to learn it through experience but uh, just sort of trusting that like look you're not going to run out of ideas and in fact using up your ideas is the fastest way to discover new ones. 
Okay, so I, I will push back against that because I do think that this is something that actually is very variable per per author. I don't want to compare any quote unquote mortal people, mortal men or women to say Stephen King and Brandon Sanderson, but like it is ridiculous how many ideas for stories some authors have compared to others, in my opinion. Like, this is very wide, like, I don't know, if I, if I can put it another way, I think you're definitely right that you shouldn't be too 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 protective of your story ideas, and, and you should try to use them up and, and get what comes next, and grab onto what comes next, and, and give that a swing, and go on from one to the next. I will say, though, that there are definitely people, and I think I'm one of them, for whom this is not nearly as rich a well uh, as it is for others like i i feel like like i'm 30 i feel like i've come up with like something like seven to nine ish different like novel ideas or like story ideas or world ideas or plots or whatever you want to call it for like books that i could potentially write i'm i i I feel like i could i could easily put a hundred dollars down that alex has at least twice that if not like 10 times that for what are we talking specifically novel length ideas? Right, no, so... I have. Yeah, my my ideas doc is it's like a hundred and fifty deep right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so like... like things I think I could pin a novel on rather than a short story because I usually just write the short stories. Yeah, and that's that's another thing I was gonna say. Like, like short stories is a thing. Like I I I struggle very hard with short stories. I don't think I can write more than maybe one or two short stories that like really feel like they're worth writing in any in any sense at all but like you know that's okay with me because I, I kind of prefer novels anyway and my novels do tend to be part of like very long kinds of stories like a series of, of, of books instead and so like when you think about ideas for stories right, like how much of it is contained in one like 15 book length novel epic fantasy that people have in their mind that they've been working on their whole life right versus okay, well, I've got an idea for a novel, and if it doesn't work out or if I finish it and it's not that great, it's okay because I've got another idea waiting. For a lot of people, that's just not true, right? For them, like, even the process of writing through the story, once they finish it, they've still basically just got, like, their two or three. And I think it, I think it will vary quite a bit from one, one person to the next. Uh, what I would be interested in is if there is a way to develop the skill of becoming more imaginative, for like story, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but like for whatever whatever muse, wellspring, whatever you want to call it, like gives birth to these different story ideas. I mean, my method has always just been read a lot and explore ideas like that that come to mind, and like do my best to like find interesting ways to 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 present already existing stories that like I would like to see, like that I want to explore. But like, yeah, if there, like if there's a way to hone that skill i think that would be extremely valuable for people i don't yeah. know necessarily that it is a skill that can be honed like i think okay. i think i'm like 50 50 on whether that actually is true i i think that it can be okay. personally because i th- i think that's a skill that i consciously tried to develop one of the things that i'll say for like trying to skill up on writing is not to try to skill up on all aspects of writing at once like pick a pick mm-hmm. a thing um the other thing i'll say is, is short stories are great uh, not a lot of people read them, I think, because it's kind of hard to find. Like, the recommendation engines, are, I think, are a lot better for long-form works than they are for, like, a short story that you take five minutes out of your day to read. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, one of the things I'll say is is try to focus on one thing at once. It gets you skill up, I think, a little bit faster than trying to do everything at once, because you can just focus being and say, okay, this short story is going to be primarily about characterization. And if I nail characterization for this short story, I'll consider this exercise that I've done to improve my skill a success. Cause then I can, you know, try and take that intensive work that I did and then use, add that to my toolbox. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was writing the world building doc for worth the candle a couple of days ago. And I, it's like mentioned offhand cause it's supposed to be this giant, like kitchen sink fantasy world. It's mentioned offhand there are, there are 200 of the so-called mortal species of like different fantasy races. And I just sort of thrown that number out there when I was writing. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing a world building doc, I really should have like 200 of them. And so I spent like the rest of that day when I was like out with my son, I'm like, okay, I just need like 200 
unique ideas for fantasy races. And that's a super good practice for, for like getting better at imagining things and like taking them in, in different directions and making sure they're actually unique. I think there's a, there's a mild tangent, but there's a, a problem in fantasy races, especially where people will just be like, Oh, they're like an elemental race. And then we're just going to do the, the elements, yep. right? We're just going to use, we're going to use, um, one frame and then we're going to do like seven or eight things that fan out from that singular frame, but it's still, it's still just that one frame that you're looking at. And that if you're doing everything inside the same framework, that's not really pushing yourself as far as creativity and imagination goes. So th these were intended to be like 200, um, 200 fancy races that are more along the lines of um, unique individualized ideas. And if, if you're trying to skill up, that's sort of what I think that you should be trying to do for each individual component that you can identify, especially those ones that people tell you you are bad at, right? Like, um, I, I can't remember what it was, but some, someone said, you know, that characterization wasn't very good and everyone sounded the same. And they're like, well, okay, that's something that I can work on. The next thing that I do, mm -hmm. I'll just try to work on character voice. And if I get character voice right and someone compliments me on that, then I'll have done my job and I'll have known that I have consciously worked on that skill, even if it's, even if something that might go on the back burner in the course of actual writing, I'll have gotten better at it at least a little bit. Yeah, Wild, Wild Bird does this um, with uh, his stories too, where he, he ostensibly is writing a, a um, ridiculously long, super long, mega long story that is apparently like his attempt to not just write the story but also work on this particular aspect or skill of storytelling uh for twig i think he said it was particularly not just characterization but also like relationships between characters and like yeah just like posit positivity and like humor and that kind of thing so i definitely agree that you can upgrade skills through writing and you can and it's good to focus on particular skills per project to try to upgrade uh or if your projects are like mine and they all tend to be super long you can maybe like per arc. So I definitely think it's good to work on specific skills for each project or each arc of a project. If the project is super long um, and just like kind of try to improve that skill with through, through the work, because you're, you're only ever going to really improve it by actually writing and doing the work. Well, I guess also you can, you, like you were saying, you can come up with ideas for a particular story for, for later in the story, right? As part of the planning or outlining, or whatever it is. Yeah. I kind of feel like the, the choke point in my mind anyway is something like plots. Like it's very easy to, not, maybe not very easy. I will say that I, I have seen a lot more people saying things like, I have this great idea for this world, or I have this great idea for this magic system, or I have this great idea for this like story in a broad sense, but not so much I have this great idea for this like plot. If that makes sense. Like a plot meaning something like characters that want a thing, challenges that will stop them from getting the thing, and the arc in which they accomplish the thing that they want to get. In which case, like, you know, you can have a great writing prompt, you can have a great world, you can have a great magic system, you can have great characters, but without the plot to tie them together, you don't really have a story. Yeah. And that plot is one of those things that you can't really... I mean, you have to have the whole plot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you can fix bumps in the plot, and you can fix a bad ending sometimes. But other times, it's like if you have a bad plot, then the whole thing just doesn't work, no matter what your other what your other technical skills are. I guess I shouldn't say that, because there are a lot of authors who have are just like wildly popular, but also really atrocious at endings. Yeah, so I was going to say, Stephen King clearly does not think of his endings ahead of time, but like he has a plot in place at least from the beginning. Like there's very clear you will click you will quickly figure out what the plot of the story is, even if it's not wrapped up properly. Yeah. Well he has conflicts, I think. He he has obvious conflicts and then obviously there are, you know, various different resolutions in the narrative sense to those conflicts. But it's it's one of those things where it's it's sort of difficult to know. I, I think it's very easy to set up a conflict between thing X and thing Y, and then have sort of twists and turns along the way, but that's not 
in my very rigid bespoke definition that's not really a plot per se because you can just sort of you can just sort of meander through different twists and turns and mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be meaningful i guess the the meaningfulness is what makes the plot right it's like yeah i mean how do you how do you develop plots i guess as a skill kuiper or alex like how do you guys like does it just come to you or do you actually have you actually done the like specific like i will now come up with plots for stories that i have or plots for ideas that i have um so for me plots do i try to find the um the story circle thing we talked about Mm -hmm. before where i just try to find something that divides like an overworld underworld type relationship right which adds like a layer to whatever the the conflict is right so step one is is find a conflict. I, I find that easier in fantasy and science fiction because if you introduce something like I don't know, like like body upgrading or something, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, this is about you know the self as a construct, and that's our central conflict that all these other events are are going around. And it's you know if if we want to do it about class, then it's going to be about a corporation taking ownership of a person's body, yeah. right? And that's that's the seed of our conflict, and then. We just want an overworld of personal autonomy and an underworld of being controlled, right? right? And so then our plot has to sort of go around the circle. We talked about the four. Yeah, and we've we've also talked about like man versus man, man versus environment. Yeah, right. So yeah. so you, you you find your conflict, you find your overworld, underworld type of thing, and then you you find some way to sort of navigate and have it have there be some point to going through all this. So there's some point to your resolution. It's not just X didn't like Y. They went through a whole bunch of stuff, and then X killed Y. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't usually find that satisfying. Um, I write it sometimes because either I lose my way or whatever. Um, but that's sort of why you have to grind um, the skill of of plot, and you have to just write a lot of plots um, and do post mortems on them. I do post mortems on all my stuff, um, which is part of how I try to look at plot as I try to find what worked and what didn't work in the plot where things could have been streamlined or sort of made to give it a better, a better shape to the curve of conflict, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I think that for me, this sort of connects also back to the topic about ideas, uh, which is that I feel like there are many ideas which are formed from other ideas. I, I should do a better job of articulating this idea. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think that there are a lot of ideas that in and of themselves don't really constitute a story, but when you put them together, you have certain combinations that will suggest conflicts, right? So actually when I talk about, it, I have this big, uh, compendium of like fantasy ideas. These aren't ideas for fantasy novels per se. Sometimes it will be like uh, an idea for a specific character, right? Like uh, a dwarf girl who was raised by elves, or you know, that's not an actual example, but just to give you an idea of the kind of thing that would be in there, and that in and of itself is not inherently interesting. But then sometimes you know you'll scroll through it, and maybe a couple ideas will come out at you, and so like, oh, a couple of these sort of attached to the thing that I'm working on, and there are certain ideas that, in concert with other ideas, suggest conflicts, right? So, for example, if I say, oh, I have a character who is a bodyguard who is super paranoid and if there seems like there's even like the slightest possibility that his charge might be in danger he will do anything to prevent even the remotest possibility of them coming to harm even if it includes tackling them right that isn't really a plot uh or a conflict uh and then i say i have another idea like i have a a socialite who is like super concerned with appearances and when you combine those two ideas together, they sort of suggest a conflict, right? Here you have uh, a woman who's like super obsessed with appearances, and then you here have a bodyguard who is super obsessed with safety, and inevitably those two are going to come into conflict with each other. And then you might say like, oh, well, it'd be highly improbable for these two characters to work together because if you were the socialite, you would clearly fire the bodyguard. So how can I sort of try to marry... Um, not marry in the you know romantic sense, but like connect those two ideas to each other. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, maybe the socialite um, is actually like a 
diplomat's, you know, daughter. And so she doesn't actually have autonomy, but she's sort of doing as a, a socialite would do, um, except, you know, maybe it's maybe it's in a specific context. Maybe it's like a maybe, you know, I'm, I'm developing this, this right now, but like maybe she's a high schooler, right? Maybe this is like some sort of like a high school hijinks sort of situation. Or uh, it's this thing where like just, you know, you take a couple buds of different things that seem like very separate particles, but then sometimes they collide with each other in ways that you find are interesting. And it's one of those things where as the number of ideas that you've accumulated grows, the number of permutations increases in this uh, sort of exponential way, which is why I feel like I'm never in the position of running out of ideas. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where like along the way, all, uh, like just in, in the you know past minute that I was sort of mulling over this, I sort of came along with several ideas that I discarded. Um, but sometimes, you know, the things that you discard might uh, be things that you want to save for a future project, you know? I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but that's sort of how I, I come at the, the idea of constructing conflicts. I think, I think it's a good methodology. I think my... I, is something like okay so it's probably very useful to put time into upgrading this skill what is the hmm so there's this idea also of like if you if if you are someone who has like a burning desire to write a particular kind of story or plot or conflict that you have in mind and once you write it and you finish it or you're still in the process of writing it or you're editing it or something like that how do you determine now that you have a story that you are, I don't know, something in my mind is reaching for like that idea of satisfaction. Cause I've written, cause I've written, I've written stories or, or that like I no longer, like by the time I finish writing them, like I've changed enough that I no longer am interested in what the story itself is. Uh, and I think that's a indication that I've like upgraded as a writer in a way, but it also might just be like, not that clear cut for other people. I don't know. Maybe this is unrelated also point. So feel free to ignore it and uh, mention something else. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like, how do you know that a story idea is like workable or good? I, I sometimes get to the end of a project. And I'm like, well, I'm just so done with that idea. I sometimes get to the middle of a project. And I'm like, I'm so done with that idea. And I think part of that's just burnout. And part of it's just, part of it is just, Sometimes you have an idea and you can sort of map it out and see the outline of it and see how it would go. And then it becomes uninteresting in the course of that, just because it's, you know, writing is labor intensive and there's a lot of work to be put in. And I have gotten sometimes to, you know, the halfway point of a novel, which is like 80 hours of work. And I'm like, man, I have another 80 hours of this just to get to the end. And just put like all the stuff that I know is going to happen. There's going to be stuff that would be satisfying to read, but you know, it's, it's just like, it's going to be a bunch of work. And then I'll have this novel that I have to do all this editing for. I, I sometimes get to that point and that's where I can sort of sour on an idea absent any concerns of that idea's validity or that plot's validity as a, as a construct for the story. Right. I think it works. It's just like, I have so little time in my life that I I don't want to waste it on things that are, feel rote to me, I guess. As far as skilling up goes in that, I think, to some extent, I think the greatest skill that you can have is being able to push through not finding something interesting, right? Yeah. Like, even outside writing. Yeah. Being able to just push, push through and, and do the mechanical work to get a thing done I think a lot of people, when they, especially beginning writers, will burn out on their idea with having, I, based on what I've seen for National Novel Writing Month, people around 20,000 or 30,000 words will just get to the point where they're, they're like done with it, you know? And they've sort of lost interest because at that point you've done, you know, 20, 40 hours or something like that. And you've done a lot of thinking and you've done a lot of writing and there's still four or five times as much to go to actually get it finished and you've thought about this idea so much that you've sort of wrung out everything that interested you about it but that's part of why you have to write instead of instead of just doing the thinking because if you just do the thinking you can wring everything interesting out of an idea without actually getting any words on the page yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think that having like extrinsic uh, motivations can help. So I think like one of the things that NaNoWriMo does is it provides like, albeit sort of an artificial one, but it does provide you with this goal of just getting a certain amount of prose onto the page. I also think that people who write for like specific fandoms uh, sometimes have an easier time with this because there's always the motivation of... I really want a story about Bella and Jacob falling in love to exist in the world. And so I'm going to, you know, suffer through, uh, you know, whatever it takes to create that story because I will like it existing. And I know that there is like an audience of people who will like it existing. So I think that that can sort of get you through it. Uh, I guess that that's sort of one of the benefits of having an audience. But I also think that weirdly, the people who are in those fandoms seldom... It, Selim seems like they're forcing themselves through it because if you are super into the idea of, you know, Bella and Jacob being together, then it won't feel like a chore to you to write that story. I mean, for me, this is also why if anyone ever asks me, like, I have trouble writing or I don't know how to start writing or I feel like all my writing is bad and, like, how do I get better writer without, like, writing, not not, not without writing, but, like, without writing, like, novels if it's not a good idea to, like, like jump straight into writing a novel because it's like I know I'm gonna get bored of it and blah blah blah. One thing I always say is that like role playing for me anyway is probably the single largest contributor to my growth as a writer. Primarily, I mean uh, writing role play, like writing online as role playing in like forums or on in games, but also I guess like role playing in RPGs. Not like in terms of volume, but in terms of area, I guess something like that. Like it's not like. I don't know. I feel like I I was able to, through role-playing, have the motivation to write so many more different things. And maybe this is how short stories work for other people. Maybe this is what short story, writing short stories feels like. Um, but, like, I'm able to just, like, jump into role-plays about all sorts of different things with all sorts of different characters relating to all sorts of different plots. And I pick them up, and I write them, and I enjoy them, and I can, and, like, you know, sometimes it's sad if they fall apart or whatever they drop, but, like, it's, it's like, fine. It just falls apart, it drops, and then I move on to the next one. Yeah. It's totally, like, this form of free-flow play that is still improving my ability to, at the very least, do dialogue and characters and action scenes often. Sometimes I get to do clever things with the plot or world building, depending on like what my role in the story in the role playing is. Yeah, so it's 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 a very like low pressure, high variability way to practice writing skills without having to actually use up your babies if you're worried about your ideas or or like worry about like whether you're going to get bored with the idea and not be able to finish it. And you know, depending on how you're role playing, you can actually at some point translate that role play into an actual book by just like doing a bunch of editing. I feel like the idea of exploring a large variety of things is something that we, you know, would be good to talk about. But uh, Alexander, did you have anything that you wanted to say sort of? Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, there are a lot of, as far as skill goes, there are a lot of ways to improve as a writer without doing the labor-intensive, time-intensive task of writing. I mean, you, you do have to write, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want anyone to come away and be like, hey, I don't actually have to write anything, and I'll just become a better writer. No, I uh, improv, role-playing, reading obviously helps you become a better writer, especially if it's critical reading rather than, uh, I guess what I'll term popcorn reading, where it's sort of where you're sort of passively reading as you would like watching a movie. Not that watching movies isn't great and also helpful as a writer, but you have to be doing it with that sort of analytical eye I guess, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that can help you improve as a writer without having to actually write per se. And even if you're a good writer, uh, like expanding outside your worldview, especially, yeah, I think is very important because one of the most common pitfalls for writers is people all sounding the same mm-hmm. or people all sort of you have very one-dimensional characters if you can't past the ideological Turing test for the other side, right? You can just get heroes who have no firm villain or who just have a villain who, or an antagonist who is just sort of bad for the sake of being bad. Yeah. I can't remember. I watched a movie recently. I can't even remember what it was, but the, the villain, I was just like, Oh, okay. This, this, I'm just supposed to hate this person. They don't make any sense as a character. And then I'm supposed to feel something cathartic, like I'm, I'm not going to feel any catharsis when they die. Oh, it was 
it was Jurassic World. Right. And it got to like the 20 minute mark. And I was like, okay, this guy's just, his only purpose is going to be to die at some point And it's going to, and it's meant to be like a, you feel good yeah. about this because he's, he has no redeeming features. He doesn't make sense as a character. He's just a bad guy who has no actual point other than to make you feel good when he dies. Yeah. But you won't feel good because he doesn't make any sense or I won't feel good. I'm, maybe it worked for other people. Kuiper, I know you want to mention something. Uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, because you mentioned it, Alex. The idea of critical reading or analytical reading, I just wanted to expand on that real quick, because I think it's an important point. In my view, with this, from, in my experience, what this looks like, what I've gotten a lot of value out of, is when I'm reading either something that I dislike, but is very popular. So it is not necessarily like a chore to read it. That would be something like 100 Years of Solitude for me. But even something like Twilight, which I very quickly realized was bad in a number of ways, but I was still like able to read it without pain, necessarily. Like It's just kind of like a... It's not what the, the kind of thing that I would normally read, but there were things about it I could appreciate, and it was very easy for me to notice the things about it that were working a certain way and not working and why they weren't working and that sort of thing. So there's a number of times where I've actively seeked, sucked, sought, sought, thank you, Uh, actively sought out the books that I knew I was not going to super enjoy, but were very popular because it was easier to look at them analytically and read them analytically than uh, something that I knew I was going to enjoy and get sucked super into. Second thing would be books that I've read a long time ago and really enjoyed. When I read them again five, ten years later, I have a whole new view on them, like a whole different lens on them. And that's very useful for understanding like the writing itself better and my perspective as a reader and now my perspective as a writer on top of that and all that kind of stuff. So if people want to try that whole like idea of, of analytical reading, those are my suggestions for things that you can do to try to learn more from the things you read. I think that one thing that both of you just mentioned is the idea of like role playing or improv as mm-hmm. things that feel like effortless ways to practice writing. And I think it's really valuable to have those. Maybe not everybody has the luxury of having them, but I feel like a lot of people who maybe feel like quote unquote natural writers are people who got practice and experience without even realizing it. And I feel like I'm part of this category. So mm-hmm. I guess to give a little bit of, you know, by autobiography, um, I grew up, you know, I was born in 1990. And so there was a time when the internet was young and pretty much all I did in around like the year 2000 on the internet was go and read Zelda fan fiction. And I was like, oh man, I want to get all of these Zelda fanfics and share them with my friends and like print them out and share them, you know, at school. But Mm -hmm. the thing is that um, our, we had two computers. We had this old like laser 486 that was connected to this very loud printer. And then we had this new like Windows 98 laptop that connected to the internet, but didn't have the port or whatever to connect to the printer. So what a technologically savvy person would have done is taken these, you know, collections of text characters from the internet, copy them into a document, put it onto a floppy drive, bring it over to the computer that had the uh, printer connected to it, and then just print them out. But I, being, you know, 10 years old, was not savvy enough to connect those dots. So what I did is I would read these Zelda fanfics, and then I would do my best to, like, memorize them. And then I would run over to the other computer while the memory was still fresh in my mind and then type them out and reconstruct these fanfics as best as I could. <laughs> so it, it was basically like the oral tradition of like retelling Apocrypha was how mm-hmm. I learned how to read, uh, how to write. And like along the way, it's like I would get to a part where it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a dumb idea. I'll sort of modify their story a little bit. And of course, like when I describe it to you like this, it's like, oh, that's like a, you know, a 10 year old kid learning how to write. But at the time, I wasn't really thinking of it like, oh, this is what a professional author does, right? And then there's also this point, you know, during, I guess, a few years later when I became active on message boards um, at the, you know, age of 13 because, you know, they have that scary thing warning you not to be on the internet if you're not 13. And uh, I, you know, being a fearful little child, respected those laws. 
Um, I'm not even sure if they were laws at the time. I'm sure that there's like legislation in place by now. Um, but anyway, the point being that I learned very quickly, like, oh, the kinds of uh, forum posts that get a lot of traction are ones where people just talk about their daily lives. It's like, oh, I went to the bar and then they had this like weird interaction with this dude who was super aggro. And of course, I, you know, being a 13-year-old kid, did not have a lot of interesting stories to share with people on the internet. And so I realized, you know what? I can create artistic works of fiction and falsehood to uh, entertain these internet strangers. And what would very often happen is it the story would start with, oh, I was walking home from school, and then this thing happened. And then very quickly, within a few paragraphs, it would go off the rails, and you'd realize, oh... This kid is uh, talking about encountering an alien species. This isn't something that actually happened. But, uh, you know, uh, but at a certain point, like, you hooked people in, and I would post these stories, and people would respond to them favorably. And, yep. like, at the time, I wasn't like, oh, I'm, a, I'm learning how to be a writer. I'm writing these stories. Like, on a certain level, I knew that I was writing stories, but it felt more like you know, sort of like, uh, you know, the same thing as like somebody who's like BSing to his friends in a bar, right? Retrospectively, I can see like, oh, I spent years practicing to be an author without even like really realizing that's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, uh, that reminded me of a thing where it was something like a good writing practice might be something like think of a movie scene and then just try to write out that scene like as best you can. And then like the next step might be something like edit one thing about the scene that's like really important and, and imagine how it would have gone different if that's if that part was different and just like in terms of like practice writing it's really easy i think to find ways to practice writing if you are intimidated by novels if you're intimidated by even short stories because you feel like you don't have a good plot or you like you aren't ready to tackle your plot something like that i think there are a lot of ways that you can try to improve your writing without having to deep dive necessarily into those kinds of things that still involve actual writing like you still have to actually write yeah i will say blogging i don't know if blog I, blogging is still a thing but i feel like people don't really have blogs anymore mm-hmm. right because social media sort of took over i'm from the very early days of the internet and everyone had blogs you had like a live journal and stuff and i feel like now it's just tumblr and facebook and i don't understand it but and anyway people have if, if you have a blog that you just have a place where you can post stuff and things can just make it into a blog post that doesn't have to be more than you know a few hundred words and you can work on writing that way my current blog dates back to 2007 and there's a bunch of just like in with different posts about what was going on with my life there's different bits of like short fiction in there as well just because that's that's that, that's sort of like baby steps into into writing, I guess. I will also say fanfic is good for if you want to skill up at writing because you have ready-made characters and scenarios and you can just like tweak one thing and sort of run from there without having to do a lot of the specific skills of characterization and description and coming up with a whole world. Because you already know these people more or less and you can work on like staying in character for characters and, and stuff like that. Fanfic is, a, is also a good skill up type thing. Mm-hmm. I, I also just like fanfic. But. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this actually connects to another point, which I wanted to talk about, which is more generally just the idea that, uh, you know, like what's the best method for learning. And it's kind of whatever gets you to the point where you're putting in your reps. Uh, well, in ideally like not making it feel like you're, going through the reps if that makes sense like some people it's like oh writing about my favorite ship doesn't feel like a ton of labor that i have to you know arduously endure it's something that i like am actually super psyched to do and i think that the trap that you can sometimes fall into is that there are limitations to that but if you are doing a good job of like recognizing like oh i'm not learning how to develop you know original characters um, and so that is like a skill that I want to develop at some point. But I think that like, you know, yeah, like writing fanfic about, you know, whatever your favorite ship is or, you know, whatever other other things you want to explore in that territory. Maybe you have your sights on things uh, more significant or, you know, more exciting than romance. Uh, but like what, whatever the case may be, like I'm sure that like everybody has these things that they are able to perform without with less effort than say just staring at a blank page and following this prescribed writing prompt. So I think like a lot of what we talk about is the idea of 
adding these various tools to your toolbox as a writer. Yep. Um, and a lot of times you try stuff just for the sake of broadening your range of expertise. Like uh, sometimes you will, for example, like write a story in second person viewpoint. And sometimes that's to teach you how to write a story in second person viewpoint. But sometimes it's to teach you that, man, I never want to write a story in second person viewpoint ever again. Uh, and I think that's still like a, a valuable thing to learn about yourself. Um, and if I could just like tell a little anecdote about the importance of like uh, sort of trying to discover a broad skill set as a writer, um, there is an author by the name of Dan Wells. Uh, he is the author of the "I Am Not a Serial Killer" series, but he spent many years spinning his wheels as a would-be epic fantasy writer because he spent a lot of time reading like Lord of the Rings, etc. As a kid, uh, kid, you know, teenager, etc. Uh, but he was like, oh, okay, like I'm in the epic fantasy, so I'm going to write epic fantasy stories. And he just wrote book after book that proved to be totally unpublishable. And so at one point he just decided like, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to write a horror novel. And that became, I am not a serial killer. This book about this teenage, you know, would be serial killer who fights demons. Uh, and you know, what do you know? He that's become like the six book series, and then he's gone on to write, you know, in other genres like uh, like YA dystopia, uh, like YA cyberpunk, and I think that it, he spent years trying to be something that what he that he wasn't, just because he was like convinced, like, oh, I'm the person who writes epic fantasy because right. like he, that is an idea that he became attached to, and yet the minute that he like tried exploring genres outside of that niche, he was able to like realize, oh, I'm actually like super better at this other thing. Yeah, exploration, trying things, working on particular skills. These are what I would say are all kind of hard to to know to do as specific things when you start writing, but are definitely useful either from the beginning or even if you've been writing for a long time. I'm definitely going to be trying more of them myself. So with that said, we've been recording for over an hour now. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Or have we covered everything? I'm done, personally. Yeah, right. I think that we covered a lot. Cool. All right. So thanks a lot, Kuiper, for joining us. Hope to have you on again sometime. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you tune in next time.